Welcome to the LDN Radio Show, brought to you by the LDN Research Trust. I'm your host, Linda Elsigood. I have an exciting lineup of guest speakers who are LDN experts in their field. We will be discussing low-dose naltrexone and its many uses in autoimmune diseases, cancers, etc. Thank you for joining us. Good afternoon. Good morning. Um, I, uh, I'm proud to say this is like my 10-year anniversary of lecturing on, on LDN, and uh, I want to thank Linda for all these opportunities, and our relationship has been 10 or 11 years. She's a primary driver of LDN education around the world. She's been a very, very big part of the whole movement. And I also like to dedicate my lectures a lot of time to my son, who that's how I got involved in the passion of spreading this. He had Crohn's disease, really severe. When he was uh, near death, we, I told him we we're going to figure this out, and we did. And I think if you guys all saw me 10 years ago, I had pictures of a scrawny little guy going up and down the stairs, barely could walk. Now he's uh, living in San Diego, surfing, and he's a bodybuilder. So it's, he's doing, doing really well. Uh, yeah, and he, he lets me share that with you guys because he likes to help people. So today, just on uh, autoimmune hepatitis, I, I uh, just want to kind of go over the treatments for it because as a lot of the autoimmune diseases, the treatments have a lot of side effects, and it's one of the big things I always emphasize is the pros and cons, and that's what I want to emphasize today and also the, the deadly disease of autoimmune hepatitis. Uh, for the lay people, autoimmune disease is just when the cells get attacked by your own body. Uh, again, we have relationship with the viruses as we just uh, experienced there. What I want to emphasize is a lot of autoimmune disease uh, have a lot of concomitant diseases with them. Uh, for example, Graves, ulcerative colitis, celiac disease all can be related with autoimmune hepatitis. That's why I put everybody with Hashimoto's on it because they said you're going to either have another autoimmune disease now we don't know about or you're going to develop another one. And the beautiful thing about naltrexone is it's non-discriminate. We've, we've treated hundreds of different diseases with uh, LDN. The prognosis is uh, pretty bad. You know, death rate, if you don't get treated, it's 50%, or you end up with a liver transplant, and then you end up on immunosuppressive drugs, which those are not fun either. All these drugs uh, have you increased risk of cancer and infections. And you can get a 50% relapse with, with the disease after you stop it. So it's a lifelong treatment. Uh, cirrhosis, about 1%, 2% or so, the AIH uh, causes that. Hepatitis C is 11%. So it's a pretty, pretty good percentage. And with the hepatitis, you get the usual hepatitis complications with portal vein thrombosis, liver cancer over time. Uh, it does have a good 10-year survival rate if you get treated. But again, like I'll show you, the treatments have a lot of side effects. And... Uh, people just don't do well with them over time, especially since the, the type 2, you get kids with this disease. Gregano is the one who, sh uh, who studied children, and he showed that 80% of them had other concomitant autoimmune diseases. So imagine them getting treated with prednisone for the rest of their life. So there's three types of autoimmune hepatitis. The, the first one, mostly all age groups can get it. Unfortunately, like a lot of autoimmune diseases, though, the women have a disadvantage there, like 78% are women. Uh, you can find uh, different uh, genotypes with a disease. If you're 
trying to define type 1, 2, or 3, uh, they have a steroid response rate of about 45%. So what do we do with the other people? Uh, they have autoantibodies associated with them. I won't go into the specifics of that. Type 2 is the kids' autoimmune hepatitis. And again, 89% are female, and they have concurrent disease about 34%. But they do have a good, good response to steroids. Um, and the type 3 is generally middle-aged uh, people. Well, not middle-aged, 30 to 50. I can't say that anymore. 90% uh, are women and concurrent disease, 90%. And they have a pretty good steroid response. So they do respond to steroids, which is the standard of care. But there's a lot of side effects. How common is it? Well, in the U.S., it's, you know, 1 in 100,000. So it's not... It's not super rare, you know, like uh, the Crohn's disease is like 1 in 100,000. Uh, I don't know why, but in northern Europe, it's uh, much higher. I don't know if they're just better at finding it and more aware of it. I, I have no idea why it's, you know, 10, 20 times more than here. In Japan, it's, it's quite low. Whether there's a dietary change, I don't think anybody knows. A significant s statistic is that 3% of all European liver transplants are pretty much resultant of AIH. So the other thing you've got to be careful is making the diagnosis is ensuring that they're not on any drugs that can cause kind of an autoimmune reaction with the liver. Methyl dopa, it's a blood pressure medicine. Minocycline is a, is a common antibiotic, and it's a common antibiotic used for acne. So we have these children who are on minocycline. Before you make the diagnosis of AIH, you make sure you just take them off and then watch their liver enzymes. Nitrofurantin is a common, common uh, urine antibiotic. And the other two, infliximab and demerod, is our just bi biologics that are used for a lot of other uh, autoimmune diseases. They're the biologics. So the symptoms uh, for the autoimmune hepatitis, much like any other hepatitis, you'll get uh, jaundice from elevated bilirubin in the skin and the eyes. You get enlarged liver and spleen. You get the normal uh, liver tenderness from the inflammation, fatigue from the chronic autoimmune disease that many, many of our autoimmune disease patients have. They'll get joint pain. You'll get angiomas, uh, which uh, for lay people, those are kind of red streaks on the skin. It looks like little blood streaks in the skin. Uh, you can get rashes and nausea and, and vomiting and certainly anorexia. What do you do for laboratory and diagnostic testing. The ALT, that's a liver enzyme, so it's AST, generally one and a half to 50 times the level. And you have some uh, gene antibodies you can find, uh, the anti-smooth muscle antibodies. They get the low platelets because you get sequestration in the, in the spleen and the liver. And you get elevated sedimentation rate. The INR rises, of course, because you're getting liver damage. So the the coumadin-dependent uh, enzymes, it's almost like being on coumadin, 2, 7, 9, and 10 are inhibited. So you'll have a risk of bleeding, and that with portal vein thrombosis, then you have risk of bleeding through the esophagus, esophagus through esophageal varices. And if you've ever seen that, it's a, it's, it's a pretty dramatic uh, case. Uh, Antinuclear antibodies, you get low albumin because the liver's not producing that uh, protein any longer. Uh, and protein already talked about. And the hemolytic anemias you get from sequestration again. Alkaline phosphatase is generally mild because it's not so much obstructive as much as a hepatocellular 
problem. So in imaging, you generally you can do ultrasound or CT scan, MRI, liver biopsies. Uh, you get changes in the liver that show fatty liver, liver necrosis, and uh, an enlarged liver. The other diagnosis you've got to consider, uh, in case you, you want to use the LDN, some of them aren't, probably will not respond to LDN, is uh, primary biliary cirrhosis, cirrhosis uh, sclerosing cholangitis, which is basically scarring of the bile ducts throughout the liver and Wilson's disease, and fatty liver, that's NASH, um, generally from glucose metabolism issues, and uh, viral hepatitis, the typical hepatitis you see, A, B, C. D, um, alcoholism. So before you just say, oh, I just want to start an LDN, you just make sure it's an appropriate disease. The current treatments, I just want to go over because I always like to share the current treatments and what their disadvantage is compared to being on LDN. And prednisone has a lot of side effects. As you know, it's probably one of the most toxic drugs around for chronic uh, treatment. Osteoporosis is one. Cataracts, diabetes, you know, glaucoma, osteoporosis, AVN, for those of you who don't know, is avascular necrosis. I work in, also in a pediatric orthopedic surgery department, and imagine putting kids on prednisone for this treatment. They end up with avascular necrosis, which ends up, the femoral head ends up being destroyed, and they end up with total hips, you know, at age 30. Um, when I've operated on them, they you can put your finger actually into the top of the femoral head and it just, it's, just, it's just like mush. Uh, azathioprine, a typical immunosuppressive, uh, used on a lot of autoimmune diseases, of course, causes increased risk of uh, cancer and infections. And these cancers, uh, for example, when the gastroenterologist trying to convince my son to go on one of those... Uh, Biologics, he said, well, doesn't it cause cancer? And he says, yeah. Um, yeah, he had a child uh, that he treated that got him. And those T-cell lymphomas are, they're not treatable. Uh, you're, you're pretty much done. Um, so uh, infections also. Uh, the biologics, I was reading an interesting statistic for the fungal infections like coccidiomycosis, it's up to 25% mortality rate if you're on the biologics. Budetazide is the one they're trying to use to get people off steroids. The children can get 15% remission if they wait for a year. They maybe can get 46% remission. And rituximab is more of a kind of a palliative uh, type of treatment. The methotrexate, uh, thiopurines, and anti-TNF agents, like I was telling you, uh, they, they're experimenting with those too, but not good long-term success. And 80% of kids will, uh, people will relapse within three years. So, in other words, all the treatments, they're there. They do respond to prednisone, but being a long-term prednisone has all the side effects. Why, why do we have to expose them to that? So this is my case, this 70-year-old lady. Uh, she came to me because she had uh, been diagnosed about a couple years before. Her liver enzymes were about triple what they should be. And she uh, then had, took her a while to get worked up by the gastroenterologist, but finally the liver biopsy showed it, and she was diagnosed with autoimmune hepatitis. So then she heard about LDN, and she said, why am I on this prednisone? And she came to me, and I started her on the LDN, and that was uh, back in 2016. And now her latest uh, values from, it was like 120, 
now it's uh, it's like 25. Um, so and she has had no problems whatsoever. She's having a great life. I just saw her husband in the clinic the other day. She's they're doing really really well. So the conclusion is it. Yeah, AIH has a lot of manageable therapy. The steroids work, but it's lifelong, and they have all the side effects I mentioned. And uh, many times they'll just come right back and get a recurrence of their disease, which long-term, you know, if you have long-term inflammation anywhere, it leads to cancer. Hepatitis C is the most common <coughs> reason people get liver cancer throughout the world. The same thing, same effect, same autoimmune inflammation can do the same thing. They have a lot of side effects. So now Trexone, again, as we all know here, is it's economical. There's no side effects. We do need well, studies before I think the gastroenterologists recognize maybe this is an option that they should offer uh, their patients. But I believe in it. I've been using it for 10, 11 years, and it's been your work for a lot of many, many, many things. So uh, thank you very much. Any questions or comments you may have, please email me, linda, L-I-N-D-A, at ldnrt.org. I look forward to hearing from you. Thank you for joining us today. We really appreciated your company. Until next time, stay safe and keep well.